She said on 105.9 The Region, I'm your host, Candace Sampson. It may seem a little vain, but I'm just going to say it. I am in love with this week's show. The ladies I interview today are a perfect combination of tough, energetic, compassionate, smart, and kind. I don't want to waste any time in the intro today because you really need to hear what she said, starting with Jody Echowitz. She's behind some really boring t-shirts making their way all across Canada that are raising funds for crucial PPE for frontline workers. She shares how it all got started and how they ended up getting some star power involved too. Sarah Usman's story is going to give you chills and then leave you cheering. As she took a horrifying violation of privacy and safety and turned it into something positive for women with the shameless circle. I keep thinking Ann Brody is going to run out of great entertainment to share with us, but this week I kept her around a little bit longer than usual for Saturday Night at the Movies because there's just so much you can't miss. Being a surrogate is one of the most selfless things a woman could do for another woman. Being a surrogate at 47 is even more incredible. You're going to love my interview with Wendy Brown, who shares exactly what it's like to be a surrogate in Canada. It's Nurses Week in Canada, and in the age of physical distancing, it's pretty hard to throw any celebrations for these amazing frontline workers. But that didn't stop the Registered Practical Nurses Association of Ontario from pulling together the biggest gift drop ever for 13,000 nurses in Ontario with the help of some amazing community partners. Deanne Martin joins me to share that story. Finally, if your spouse is chewing just a little too loud or generally just driving you crazy in quarantine, Dr. Kara Fletcher joins me to share some tips for keeping your marriage strong. Thanks for joining me, let's get started. Has self-isolating given you a new appreciation for your pet? Have they been your constant companion and uncritical roommate while you stay at home? Show your gratitude and have some fun with something new for your pet from Sparkle and Barkle. Go online at sparkleandbarkle.ca to see our many designers and accessories. Celebrate the fashionista in your dog or your own style sense at sparkleandbarkle.ca. Enter promo code 1059theregion and save 20%. COVID-19 has put the world on hold. But the needs of children with physical disabilities cannot wait. Not only are these children living in isolation, they're also desperately waiting for essential items like walkers, lifts, and bathroom equipment they need to live safely at home. We're all facing challenges right now, but we cannot leave children in the vulnerable sector behind. Please help by donating to Easter Seals Ontario today at easterseals.org. 
Jody Ekowitz is founder and CEO of Boulevard Public Relations, a Toronto-based PR agency that works with technology companies throughout North America. No stranger to volunteering, Jody also lends her time to the Asperger Society of Ontario, where she is on the board of directors. In March, however, she stepped into another volunteer role, this time with Conquer COVID-19, a grassroots organization that came together to help address the issue of PPE shortages and the pandemic. Welcome to the show, Jody. Thanks for having me. So I'm, I'm so excited to have you here. My first question is, uh, how do I get Ryan Reynolds? Uh, does he come with the t-shirt? I have seen him everywhere. <laughs> Trust me, I'm still waiting to connect with him in person. I don't know, he's promised all of us that we'll do something, we'll get to meet in person, so fingers crossed, you know? That's amazing. So tell me, how, how did this all come to be? So March 19th, a group of people that have actually, they've known each other for a very long time, all came together and just like, you know, most people amid the pandemic are like, what can I do to help? People get to feel kind of helpless. And so this group was like, well, there's PPE shortages. Some of the people in the group were actually doctors. So obviously they were facing this issue, you know, from the get go. And they said, okay, well, how can we help? Let's brainstorm some ways that can either help, you know, get PPE or reduce the need for PPE. So the very first idea that they actually came up with was quite ingenious. How do you use two-way uh, baby monitors so that when a, a nursing staff or a doctor is in the room with a patient and they need information, they need help, or want to ask a question, you can actually have that two-way dialogue without having to use up PPE by going into the room. So right. that was the very first thing. And that kind of set off actually a donation from Toys R Us. They donated uh, two-way baby monitors. And that eventually actually led to VTech also donating two-way baby monitors. But the idea was, you know, how do you actually help? And so this group came together, a bunch of friends, started with like literally a handful of people. And today is like 120-something volunteers. It's, it's amazing. It's I just want to say March 19th, I'm playing that date in my head. I mean, as I recall, I believe that my family went into lockdown on March 14th. So this is super quick. You guys hit the ground running. Absolutely. And in fact, I've, I've never actually seen anything like that. I mean, I've been involved with volunteer efforts for a long time. And this is unlike anything I've ever seen. I mean, it's just a matter of the people that came together are so connected in so many different ways that it was a matter of, you know, how do you get involved? How do you drive things forward? And everyone has just made things happen. It's been truly incredible. And, and I have to tell you, the volunteers that are part of this group, most have been volunteering like probably 18 hour days, probably longer days than they usually would. We even have med students who are like, I'll be right to that as soon as I'm done my exam. You know, like that's literally how it's been. Amazing. So tell me how you, you got a little star power behind you on this. So how did that come about? So actually, I, and so I came on board actually at uh, later in March and uh, we set up our first PPE drive where people can drop off. And that was great. Got lots of really good interest media wise. And what happened was that Sunday night after we did that first PPE drive, Haley Wickenheiser actually put out a tweet saying, you know, she, I mean, she's in fourth year of med school. And so obviously she recognizes the, the issues with PPE shortages. And so she put out a call to say, you know, who can help? And her and Ryan Reynolds actually go back a long way to, I think when they're both uh, 
uh, were named to Canada's uh, Hall of Fame or Walk of Fame, whatever it is. And uh, so through that connection, he said, I will help you amplify. And what happened was somebody on our team, one of the founders actually reached out to Haley and said, we're already doing this. Why don't we look to team up? They had a call and pretty much Monday, this was Sunday evening, Monday morning, we connected with Haley. By that night, Monday night, we were already collecting boxes of PPE through people that had responded to a call for PPE to say that, you know, they've got these donations, let's collect them. We had a team of people that got together, collected it. And then, you know, obviously uh, we have the support of Ryan. So everything that we were doing, you know, when Haley would share something, Ryan would share something a little bit further. And that, that next Saturday, our second PPE drive in Toronto, Haley showed up. Of course, when you have someone like Haley who's helping literally collect, you know, PPE masks, one or two masks, whatever it is, from the trunk of someone's car, media are interested. And so we had a ton of media come. That particular day as well, we had Doug Ford come and deliver a, um, a number of masks on behalf of the, Tron uh, the Trillium Automotive Dealers Association. And that day, we had actually put together these T-shirts saying Conquer COVID-19, which defy just any kind of marketing or branding. You know, the people on our team that are from the ad agency world were horrified. But, you know, Doug Ford says, can I have a shirt? Of course. So we give him a shirt. That afternoon, he wears it to his briefing. And so wearing this T-shirt to his briefing, everybody looks at and our social media blows up everybody's like, where do I get one? I want one. And so what was originally a shirt for volunteers ended up being something that we decided that we would actually sell. So um, it, it was actually, it was, it was quite remarkable. Um, so we actually went out there, we uh, started selling the shirts and obviously, you know, Ryan being the kind of guy that he is, just so super interested in everything marketing and you know he put out the first call for uh for t-shirts with these he, he just looked at this like this has got to be the most boring shirt he's ever seen and so that's why you know we that's what we're selling now these uh, boring shirts and all the proceeds go uh, towards the purchase of ppe so these really boring t-shirts are everywhere uh mine is on the way i can't wait to get it uh, so tell me how much do these shirts, uh, sell for? So they're, they're $25.99 and, um, which is, you know, pretty reasonable. Obviously they're shipping on top of that. Uh, but what's great actually is Ryan decided that he wanted to do a second push around the t-shirts, which actually coincided really well because the team at Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment stepped up. And not only obviously with Haley Star Power have we connected with so many um, sports talent that have just really sort of come to the plate and wanted to help, but MLSC have said, here's our logos, go ahead, you're welcome to, you know, personalize the shirts using our logo. And so uh, Ryan went out on Friday with another campaign that we've, you know, we've called the Boring T-Shirt Challenge. And so now you can not only get our boring plain t-shirts, but you can actually get one that has uh, either Toronto Maple Leafs or the Raptors or the Argos or Toronto FC logos on them. And in addition to that, you can now buy a hat. And it's a new era hat, so it's more expensive than the t-shirt, but all the funds and all the proceeds go towards uh, buying PPE. This is just a wonderfully heartwarming, hopeful story I think we all need in this. 
Uh, I thank you so much for joining me today, Jody. Uh, we're going to put up the website on the video that we put out on social for this, and we're going to share it with our listeners at home. Uh, uh, thank you for joining me. This was great. Thank you for having me and look forward to seeing you in your shirt. I'm going to have it on this week. Awesome. Thank you. More with Candace Sampson and what she said coming up on 105.9 The Region. If you're interested in receiving personalized insights into how your DNA reacts to pain medication, Indigene Diagnostics is offering what she said listeners 20% off of their own pharmacogenetic testing kit. It's easy to take, you don't have to leave your home, and your results are delivered quickly to your inbox so you can start to understand what medications will and won't work for you. Go to Inagene.com and enter what she said 20 at the checkout. Tax Talk on 105.9 The Region. I'm Jim Lang. Does tax season make you nervous? Yeah, me too. That's where H&R Block Canada comes in. Join me and Lisa Gittin, Senior Tax Professional, for Tax Tuesday and Tax Thursday. From the options to file your taxes to common mistakes we all make, H&R Block Canada is here to help. Every Tuesday and Thursday morning at 9.15 on 105.9 The Region. Welcome back to What She Said with Candace Sampson on 105.9 The Region. I hope you're somewhere praying, praying. I hope your soul is changing, changing. I hope you find your peace falling on your knees, praying. is the co-founder, president, and director of The Shameless Circle. Having experienced chronic shame in her life, Sarah decided to use her personal experience to help other women who may be going through similar or different experiences. She recently completed her master's in educational leadership. Sarah takes pride in volunteering her time to help support the community through various organizations and events, and she is the mom to two beautiful children. Welcome to the show, Sarah. Thanks, Candice. Thank you for having me. So your story uh, is a little bit mind-blowing. So let's start with sort of how this all came to be. So the Shameless Circle um, is a nonprofit organization, and I founded the Shameless Circle after a personal incident. I had been separated from my ex-husband for about two years, and we were like, me and I have my kids full-time, and we were living in this house. Um, and one Friday afternoon, when I come from work, I go in my room, I'm changing my clothes, and I find this strange electrical outlet in my in my bedroom wall and I'm thinking to myself I haven't seen this thing before and funny enough I think to myself maybe I'm going crazy you know I'm just thinking too much it's nothing but something in my head told me that I I should look into it further so I start digging into old photos in my phone and I start flipping my phone around um, and sure enough I find a photo of the same wall and that thing is not there so at that moment did your heart just drop it did. It did. Um, I actually thought maybe it's a bomb, like someone has planted a bomb. So I just told one of my, I was actually going out with my friends to celebrate my birthday. It was my 30th birthday. And I told one of my friends to take my kids to their home. And I 
and I took my car and I parked it at a co-op just across my house, waited for the police to come. It took some time for them to come in, but by the time they came, they went into into the house and they um, they found that there was a camera inside that electrical socket and someone had literally dug, dug the stucco in and out of my house and placed that thing inside. And when they examined it more, there was a wire dangling outside my garage and there was a USB stick. So someone was going in and out of my house. Um, changing USBs apparently and when they searched the house more they found one more camera in my living room and they moved the china cabinet and the the drywall was cut and the entire system was linked to my wi-fi in my home and the entire system was inside the house um it's such a it's such a violation it's hard to wrap your head around that that level of of privacy invasion for absolutely absolutely i just felt i felt um, I just fell on the ground and I was like, I just couldn't function anymore. I said, maybe my life is done. Like I'm, I'm just going to die today. I just couldn't do anything. Um, anyways, that was sort of part A of the whole horror show. Next morning, um, I get a call from the major crimes unit officer and he starts telling me that it's just going to take a little while to get things getting started, the investigation started. He just asked me to be patient. He understands what has happened, blah, blah. So I said, okay, I hadn't fallen, like I hadn't slept the whole entire night. So I went to bed at my friend's place. And as I'm lying down at a call, I get a call from my mother in Pakistan. And she tells me, or she's completely frantic, like she's lost her mind. And she tells me that, um, my ex-sister-in-law is on the other line and she's telling me that you need to tell your daughter that if she doesn't go to the police and tell them that the cameras were a prank, we're going to release intimate images and videos of her having sex um, on social media, on Facebook, and you're going to send it to all the men in your community and you're never going to be able to show your face to other people. And I was like, okay, mom, I've got to call you back. Um, so I called the police officer again and I said, this has happened. And I'm so thankful like, that he asked me to come down to the police station immediately for a statement. And by the time I, had, I went to the police station, um, they had matched the fingerprints that were found on a tape inside the camera to my ex-husband's fingerprints. And my ex-husband had already had fingerprints in the system due to prior issues. And I can't imagine that the, the trauma of dealing with that and then you had to go to court yes and then we had to go i had to go to court testify and my ex-husband pleaded guilty for this he was sentenced there was a period in my life where i was really really upset as to what had happened i was going for therapy before that and then when this happened it just i just stopped functioning i just wanted to stay under a table or inside a inside my closet i just couldn't come out of my house how would i face people anymore i had no idea and so i went to my therapist and i told her how i'd been feeling and i told her that i'm angry like i'm really really angry as to what had happened i worked so hard to be where i am today to make this house a home for my kids blah blah and she just said one thing to me she said sarah you make sure that you use that anger in a good way and that's what led to me um creating this shameless circle it's like a platform where we come together and we share our experiences where we learn and we grow together we've also launched a fund for women who are going through traumatic experiences it's just a one-time step up help we give to women um for professional development for mental health wellness um just in any way we can support um and the idea of shameless came from like i felt ashamed and i wanted to make sure that women understand that a person who has nothing to do with you cannot have this power over you. We need to take that shame back. We need to take that power back. Sorry, not be feeling ashamed for something we've not 
for something we've, we're, we haven't done anything wrong. Like, how can I be feeling ashamed for moving on my life, for providing for my kids, for providing with them with a good life? Um, so yeah, that's how the Shameless Circle came about. And then um, I had a publication ban on my story. When he was convicted, I went back to the prosecutor and I said, I've done something. I've started working around women's uh, rights and I want to lift the publication ban um, from my story. And he said, yes, come down to court. We went to court. And after a few hearings back and forth, the judge lifted um, the publication ban on my story and I went public. You recently had a proclamation made. So tell me about that. How did that come to be? Um, so we wrote to the um, provincial government here that we need to do more in creating raising awareness on the non-consensual distribution of intimate images. I don't think many people understand that it's a crime, first of all, and then the after effects of such violation are huge. Like women in the past have committed suicides when this has happened. So why are we letting this just, just go in our society? We need to do more. And thankfully the government came on board and then we just, like, they decided that April 14th um, is a provincial day in Manitoba where we raise awareness on the non-consensual distribution of intimate images issue. And it also happens to be the day where my incident happened. Um, so I'm like moving on, I'll be, making sure that that day instead of thinking like such a tragic incident happened I'll be making sure that we move forward in a way where we're creating more awareness on this issue okay well you are you are an absolute inspiration uh I to take something so terrible and turn it into something so positive is is wonderful um and I really appreciate you coming on the show today because I'm sure that you are helping a lot of women who are listening to this so if they want to find out more if they want to get involved where can they go um so you can visit our website um it's the www.theshamelesscircle.org or you can find us on facebook twitter or, or um, instagram at at the shameless circle uh, sorry at shameless circle um, or you can email us at info at shamelesscircle.org. Okay, amazing. Thank you so much for joining me today, Sarah. Uh, this was amazing. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure. I hope you find a peace Falling on your knees This week's care package is perfectly timed for spring gardening and growing your own veggies. This garden starter brings you all that you need for bragging rights to a green thumb, something I don't have, courtesy of Sheridan Nurseries and 105.9 The Region. Now, you'll receive ready-to-transplant tomato, bean, hot pepper, and zucchini, plus a mescaline bowl, beet bowl, and a strawberry hanging basket. Add water, and this $160 value will yield delicious results. To enter, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook, tag a friend, and you are eligible for a delivery of your ready-to-grow garden from Sheridan Nurseries. Contest closes May 21st. Welcome back to What She Said with Candace Sampson on 105.9 The Region. Joining me now for entertainment this week at Saturday Night at the Movies is Anne Brody. Anne, you just 
bringing me great stuff. I try. There is so much junk out there, Candace. I I'm starting to know your tastes to to work on that a little bit. Plus, offer some interesting international stuff, just so it's not boring. Well, you know, I I want to offer up a little conspiracy theory. Yeah, since I, they seem to be going around everywhere nowadays. Here's my conspiracy theory: the entertainment industry conspired to put us all in our home so they could feed us all this great stuff. <laughs> I can't believe how much good content is coming out. And this week, especially. I know, right? It's amazing. And some of these things are films that would never have seen the light of day in a theater or the dark because of the big films, the blockbusters that would take over the entire cinema. So you might never have seen these before. Okay, well, let's start. Tell me, please, what's your favorite this week? Uh, my favorite absolutely is the capture on Amazon Prime. Looks so good. Oh, God, just, I, I don't binge because, you know, I don't want my butt to get too big. I don't know I, how you, wait, I have to pause you. I don't know how you could binge with all the shows that you have to watch in a week. Well, I space it all out and I go for a lot of walks because otherwise I just have a great big butt on the end of me. So <laughs> I can't do it. So, but I watched all six of these in a row. It was just incredible. All right, so we have uh, Holiday Granger, who's, who's been kind of a B British actor, but this thing is really going to raise her. She seems to have changed her look somehow. Um, she plays a detective who's investigating uh, the disappearance of a barrister. Okay, so this guy was fighting in Afghanistan, a British soldier. He's come home, and he's thrown into jail for a controversial kill that he made of a Taliban. So she comes to his defense. He's acquitted. They celebrate. They kiss. Then he says, can I come with you? And she says, no, I have to go home. And she gets, she goes and, and he goes and they wave. Well, isn't he arrested for her murder? And they bring out footage of him not kissing her and waving goodbye, but brutally attacking her. Wow. Now, this technology that exists. Well, these deep fakes, they call it, right? Deep it's fakes, yes. And that's a joke in it. People say, well, you know, deep, deep, fake, deep fake porn. And they go, not really. <laughs> But anyway, it's it's big in Russia, it's big in China, and you know London is the most surveilled city in the world. So this is a, an ideal situation for this kind of thing. It is absolutely intriguing. He goes on the run with some kind of um, you know alt universe woman through London, who's found a path on which there's no cameras, which is almost impossible. Anyway, it's just goes deeper and deeper and deeper. You won't be able to stop watching, but I'll tell you. You won't sleep well after either. Okay. Okay. Good to know. Good to know. Yeah, so can scary. I tell you which, which was on the list that I, I was personally obsessed oh, with? Oh, tell me. What? The Great. It's pretty raunchy. <laughs> There's a I, I am just, I thought Elle Fanning, wow. Like just when I, the little, in the little previews I saw, she seems so good in this. And she plays Catherine the Great, who was a good a woman who was always searching for her worldly purpose, but around her in the Imperial Russian court, she has her husband, the emperor, played by Nick Holt. You wouldn't credit what he does. It's just astounding. Also, he keeps his beloved mother stuffed and in a fancy dress in a glass case in his room. But the sexual shenanigans, and they were well known for that, and that exists today, that, that idea, at that time in Russia were just beyond the pale. So, you know, it's, it's entertaining. It's pretty gross at times, like this dead mother and what becomes of her. It but, seems, and it seems like they've sort of modernized 
it a bit, like it's a loose telling of the story. Very loose, very loose telling. Yeah, they didn't make many concessions there. It's basically a soap opera, a sexed up soap opera. So, but it's interesting. So I really thought that there is another one that you shared this week. Uh, a trailer was "I Know This Much Is True" with Mark Ruffalo, and wow, yeah. that looks intense. It is intense. It's based on Wally Lamb's best-selling novel, and so he, Mark Ruffalo, executive produced it, and he plays twin brothers. He plays Thomas, who is a house painter and a, and a caretaker for his brother Dominic, who um, has delusions uh and he he's thrown into the sanitarium after he cuts his hand off as a religious act in the middle of a crowded library so now it all dates back to something that happened when they were children um michael gray eyes is in it anyway uh, i love him i love him too (laughs) so he plays a janitor at the sanitarium and his sister disappeared when they were little and it may have had something to do with dominic so it is very heavy going. It's really gritty. The female characters are uh, pretty out there, with the exception of Rosie O'Donnell, who plays his psychiatrist, Thomas's, psych- uh, Thomas's psychiatrist. She's very laid back and reserved, but um, it's something about paranoia and uh, truth and reality and, and, you know, recompense. Wow. Okay, so tell me, what did you think of Snowpiercer? Because this one really appealed to me. Did you see the film? No. Uh, 2013, made by the guy who did Parasite. Uh, Just a spectacular film. I loved it. It was so active and so uh, aggressive and so much going on. So the world's a wasteland. We've destroyed it. But all the remaining people are on this thousand-car train endlessly circling the, gro- the globe. And at the front of the wealthy class, there's gardens and farms and fruits and vegetables. And at the end is the, uh, the, the poor people. So it's, it's a class struggle. Um, and you have Jennifer Connelly as the lead uh, sort of purser in the wealthy area. Um, and David Diggs, do you know him? He's tremendous. He's, he's from at the back of the bus. So he's sent to the front due to his skills it's pretty good. It's certainly not as good as the film, but um, again, Bong Joon-ho is uh, executive producing, so he does his bit for it. Certainly worthwhile seeing on TNT. The cinematography in it really seems yeah. amazing, and that's sort of what drew me to it. And you know, that whole dystopian society thing, yeah. I really like those kinds of stories. So oh, this, do you? This one really appealed <laughs> to me. Yeah. Oh, that's good yeah, to know. We're living in a weird dystopia right now, it feels like. So. <laughs> yeah, we are, right? Yeah, except we're saving money. We're not driving and buying and parking. <laughs> hey, um, La- I really want to just touch on this really cute one from Disney. <laughs> uh, it seems, I mean, I'm such a dog lover, so this one just appeals. This to is me. for you. This is yeah. for you. On Disney Plus, we have um, Bill Farmer's It's a Dog's Life. And we have an interview with him on on our site. So he goes and visits dogs who have friends or do jobs that are original and interesting. There's one dog who um, is best friends with a cheetah. So you learn a lot about how they develop together. There's another dog who works as a a guide and a help. He opens the doors, gets juice boxes and stuff for a, a, a disabled boy who also wants to be a voiceover artist like a farmer who voices Pluto and Goofy. And then there's a dog who sniffs out whale poop for research. People can get uh, like 50 samples in a day. This guy can get 
500 and they use it for research. They're also training dogs to sniff COVID-19. They already sniff cancer. So it's heartwarming and uplifting and sweet and fun, but it's also quite, you know, educational. Well, you know what I think I, appealed to me about that one too is, it, I mean, I remember when my kids were little, my, my girls are teenagers now, so we watch the same sort of stuff. But when my kids were little, I remember just kind of rolling my eyes at like having to watch Caillou for the millionth time or something like that. <laughs> so it's nice to see programming that I feel parents are going to enjoy just as much as the kids are. They are. Because Bill Farmer has a, has a wacky sense of humor. So and there's this one scene where he's watching the cheetah run and cheetahs are the fastest runners on earth. And the look on his face is just worth everything. So amazing. <laughs> Go ahead. Okay. So for all of these and more, uh, you've got this all up on what she said, uh, radio.com. And, uh, we're going to put the video up on social. Excellent. Thanks Good so much, Dan. Candace. Bye. More with Candace Sampson and What She Said coming up on 105.9 The Region. Elspeth Hayward Center for Women continues to prioritize the welfare of clients and community members. We have adapted how we work, but we have not changed our focus. We are now a food distribution hub for the Black Creek Humber Summit area, serving all community agencies within the 12-kilometer area for food pickup for their clients. We are working virtually with clients providing support through phone, online, and video conferencing. Whether it is in situations of domestic violence or working with seniors, Elspeth Hayward Center's staff continue to be there for women, families, and the elderly. If you need us, email to info at ehcw.ca or call 416-663-2978. Welcome back to What She Said with Candace Sampson on 105.9 The Region. is not a given for all women. For many, it's a devastating struggle coping with infertility or the inability to carry to term. So when another woman offers to be a surrogate, the emotions can be profound. I recently interviewed Wendy Brown on my podcast, a surrogate who carried a baby for a couple in her 47th year and is kindness personified. You can hear the extended podcast on what she said with Candace Sampson on Apple and Spotify, But for today, I want to talk about surrogacy in Canada and about a few things you may not know. Welcome to the show, Wendy. Thank you very much. So let's get into a little bit about surrogacy in Canada. I think most surprising to me is that surrogates are not paid in Canada. No, no. You can do it through, uh, there there are agencies, but um, I did this completely for altruistic, you know, intentions. And um, yeah, but they can't, legally you cannot get paid. Legally, you cannot get paid. Okay, yeah. but so your expenses, though, so mm-hmm. you do uh, you do connect with a lawyer, uh, and your expenses are covered because you know I think as a mother you probably don't think about it, but there are a lot of expenses to being pregnant. Yes and no. Like I said um, in the podcast, you know I had a drug plan, so for me, I they were to pay for uh, maternity clothes, which I said don't bother. I'll do that at Value Village. And then I can just redonate them. 
Um, the drug, my drug plan covered what I needed to take. So that was fine. Um, they did cover like ultrasounds, that sort of stuff. Um, because of course, that's the other thing. If you are caring for somebody else, the OHIP and stuff does not cover your ultrasounds. So what are sort of the, some of the things that <laughs> a couple can ask of their surrogate? I mean, honestly, they can ask anything they want, to be honest. They can, they can limit what kind of food, your exercise, your, you know, what your comings and goings, your travel plans, all of that sort of stuff. Were there things that you were uh, asked not to do? Uh, yeah. During your pregnancy? So what were yep. some of those things? So uh, uh, processed lunch meat, stuff like that, where there was obviously a risk for miscarriage, whatever, uh, skydiving, horseback riding, uh, you know, dangerous sports, that sort of thing. Um, but they were actually very, very, very um, accommodating with me as well. And we had a good rapport in terms of we would speak about everything. How familiar <laughs> were you with surrogacy before you decided to be a surrogate? Not a clue. Not a clue. Um, and to me, it was more, eh, I've had babies before. How hard can it be? In their 47th <laughs> year, I would think not so easy. It was, it was a little more challenging. Um, <laughs> and of course, there's the, the flip side of it too is the responsibility. Um, you know, and not to be glib or flip about it, but if you, if you lose your own child, that's devastating. But if you lose somebody else's child through whether, you know, an accident or doing, you know, carelessness, whatever, um, you know, that would be a devastating personified. Like it would just be so much harder because it was very difficult for me. And I was always, always, always very concerned about, you know, if something did happen, how bad I would feel for these poor people because to get their hopes up and then snatch it away again just would feel so cruel. What were the steps you had to go through to get to that point? So there was hormone treatment um, to, to do, like I said, the, the, you know, I had to take some needles in my stomach, Luprin, and then I had to do progesterone shots in the butt. Um, I, I was eating extremely clean. I was exercising more so than normal because I was like, I'm going to get fat, so I want to be in healthy shape and uh, that sort of thing. Um, but there wasn't, honestly, there wasn't a lot that I had to do. But you did have to do a psych evaluation, correct? I had to do, yeah. So I met with like, uh, yeah, a psychologist or whatever to make sure that, you know, I was, I, I'm, a sh I'm not sure why. I think probably to make sure I was of sound mind, but also probably they, I, I would assume through their screening methods, they make sure you're not going to try and take off with the baby or that sort of stuff. Um, and that was never, that was never an issue. Um, yeah, I was definitely not interested in being, a, well, yeah. I think though that there must be, so, you know, we talked about this a little bit on the podcast, but you know, that attack, when I was pregnant with my children, for example, I'm sure when you were pregnant with your, yep. with your oh, daughters, absolutely. that yep. you feel that instinct, instinctual pull toward the child. See, but for me, it was more, it was a sense of, for lack of a better word, it was a sense of duty and a sense of responsibility more so than a bond of love. I loved her. I took care of her. You know, we talked, uh, we watched all the true crime stories, that sort of stuff together. But it, um, it, it was not the same because I knew from day one, it was not the same. Um, and being in the, in, in the, you know, the stage of my life I was in and stuff, me having a baby at that time in my life was, was never going to happen. And, and it wasn't a, Oh, I love babies. And I, it was, it was for me, it was always more duty driven in that these people needed help. I wanted to help them. 
And it just so happened that the way to do that was giving them my uterus for a little bit. So I, I, that sounds really weird, I think, and maybe a little cold and clinical. It wasn't, but for me, it was just, it was always, that was in my mind. And, and I think everything from a psychological did, standpoint, that's a very healthy way I think so too. to approach it. I think so too. Yeah. And I mean, like little things, my mother offered to come into the delivery room with me if I wanted her to and stuff. And I said, no, that's weird and creepy. It's not your kid. So, you know, like stuff like that, where maybe it would have been different if I didn't have the diversified support I had, but I had so many people that were just willing to either, you know, kick me in the butt when I needed a kick in the butt or to, you know, hold me up when I was kind of like, Oh, what have I done? Um, and the good thing was there wasn't a lot of, Oh, what have I done moments? There really wasn't. So what would you say to any women out there right now listening, thinking that maybe surrogacy is for them? Would you have any advice? Uh, yeah. If, if you are in a stage of your life where you're not longing for children, but you want to help somebody, absolutely do it. It is the most rewarding thing you can ever do for another, another set of human beings. I, I do. I tell the parents all the time how grateful I am and honored that they let me do this. And, uh, and then we argue back and forth. <laughs> Yeah, cool. Well, I imagine they are equally as grateful to you. They so. are. They are. And sometimes it's it's hard to take. I mean, we're we're all a little, you know. I think we all have a hard time sometimes with people saying thank you and and getting excess gratitude, um, because you feel kind of weird about it. But but yeah, I'm just as grateful to them, and sometimes more so. I get to sleep through the night. They don't. <laughs> um, I really hope people will pop on over to the yeah. podcast and listen to the extended podcast. Yeah. yeah. Your story, Hopefully. your story is incredible. It'd be nice if there'd be lots of babies from this. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. It was Thank a you. pleasure. Wonderful. Stick around. More What She Said with Candace Sampson coming up on 105.9 The Region. It's not that unusual when everything is beautiful. It's just another ordinary miracle today. It is Nurses Week, and I think I speak for every single Canadian when I say that never in our history have they been more appreciated than they are right now. Joining me today is Deanne Martin, who has been a nurse since 1979. Currently, Deanne works as an RPN in the role of Chief Executive Officer of the Registered Practical Nurses Association of Ontario. It is such a pleasure, pleasure to have you here today, Deanne. How are you? I'm great. Thanks so much for having me. So tell me, what is the general feeling among nurses right now? You know, uh, right now, nurses are feeling um, just so many things. When you're in nursing and you're in the middle of a crisis, um, you're so focused on the crisis that you become a little bit less aware of what's going on around you, or you spend a little less time acknowledging the experience. And, and that's one of the reasons we're concerned about when it's all over and the quiet comes and the nurses relive the traumas that they've been through. Um, we're working really hard to be able to prepare to deal with that. But uh, the nurses themselves at this moment are, you know, um, 
as a good friend of mine said, running towards the crisis and uh, filling in in every way they can uh, to you know, literally become a physical barrier between them, between you and I and the virus. They're standing right as a physical barrier there to stop it from reaching us. So tell me about what you're doing this week to really make them feel appreciated, though. You know, um, every year in Nursing Week, we spend a lot of time traveling the province, uh, holding events, thanking nurses. I tour hospitals, all of the staff I work with. Uh, we have a big calendar that shows what city everyone's in all week long. And this year was going to be extra special because the World Health Organization declared it the year of the nurse. The, the year of the nurse and midwives. We, we can't forget our midwife friends. And... Um, so we had extra special events planned and now of course can do none of it. So we've spent some time thinking about what we could do. And one of the first things we came up with was what if we, each of them got a gift from us. And we talked about it for a while. We realized that it was absolutely impossible. We have 13,000 members, RPN square members of our association. How would we get 13,000 gifts into their hands? The cost would be prohibitive. Um, but we decided to just believe and we started asking partners for um for any donations if they didn't have in-kind donations if they could give us cash um, and we managed to to pull a box together but even when the box was pulled together with you know self-care gifts in it we knew that there was no way we could afford to mail them out and that's when ups stepped up and they said, we'll take every single one of those gifts to those nurses. I have my box here. Would you like to see what's in it? I, I, I would like you to, A, tell me what's in it for those listening on the radio and show me what's in it for those watching the video later on. Okay. First of all, we have from Tetley, cold infusion, and it goes in a water bottle. And I don't know if you know this, but nurses um, live by their water bottles. And during COVID, when they're wearing a mask all day, that water bottle for the day is what gets them through. These are made good uh, uh, granola balls, which if you haven't tried those, those are amazing. I have some in the house right now. They're incredible. Okay, you, they're so good. Sarah V gave us this face cream and it's got hyaluronic acid. And if anybody's over 50, you know how important that is. But uh, for every face, uh, we've all seen the pictures of the nurses' faces and how much damage we're doing to our skin with those masks. And so we have face cream in here. I just want to actually give a little plug for Sarah V uh, as well, because I, my hands were raw, and I can't imagine how the nurses are, but my hands were raw from washing them initially. And I was like, gosh, what can I use? And I tried CeraVe cream for my hands. Amazing. This was a gourmet chocolate bar from <laughs> from Winners and HomeSense, uh, but I have, as you can see, um, uh, or let me report, um, I have eaten the vast majority of it. It is really good. It's like a 70% um, uh, chocolate. And Margaret Atwood was personally involved. We asked Penguin Random House Canada uh, for a donation, and Margaret Atwood was enthusiastically involved and made sure that every single one of our members got a hard copy of her latest book, which I'm dying to read, so I'll be starting with it's, it's excellent. I can attest to that. It? Yes, it's excellent. No, I love uh, the fact that she made sure that every single person got them because we know that we have to get our mind off things. Now, it's a dystopian sort of novel, and, and, uh, but I can tell you right now, uh, nurses are going to love that. Uh, we've, we can't be thinking about work all the time. We can't be thinking about um, all of those difficulties, and we've got to 
transport ourselves somewhere. So that book will do that. And we want nurses to experience joy this nursing week. We want to, we have the best job in the world and I know how hard it is right now, but we get to experience real joy every day. And I want to sort of transport the nurses as much as possible back to that joyous sort of um, place where we live. Well, I have to tell you, I think this was the feel-good story we all needed this week. Uh, how, if we want to express our thanks, I understand there's a hashtag we can use. Absolutely. We, um, we are uh, uh, having a thank you nurses. Uh, thank you, nurses. Hashtag. First of all, Sam Sam um, Roberts Band lent us their song. We did a video with it where we put pictures of many, many of our members in their PPE. It's wonderful. You can see it on our website and our social media. Thanks, Sam Roberts, for that. I mean, that was wonderful. And the hashtag at the end of it is thank you, nurses, because we know that lots of people experience nurses in their lives and always think, oh, I want to thank that. I meant to send a thank you note to that nurse. This is your time. Time. We have a hashtag that you can use on social media. You can put something on your front lawn and take a picture. Just whatever you'd like to do, and we will um, we will uh, make sure that everyone sees it and that the nurses get a thank you even more than this package they're receiving. Incredible. Okay, and if people want to know more about your organization, where can they go? They can go to www. Oh, my kids tell me you don't say that anymore, Mom. <laughs> You know, uh, you, you go to wearepn.com and they can um, go to our COVID section. We have all the updates, the government updates for people who want to know more about our current status, but also our thank you RPN piece. They can go and find us, WeRPN, on any of the social media channels. We're on all of them. And um, Margaret Atwood uh, tweeted out uh, about giving us all this book last night. So that's 2 million people uh, last night who got to hear about this wonderful initiative of thanking nurses. So um, I'd love it if you'd join us in that. And also a little thank you to UPS. Uh, absolutely. Yes, that is, that is no small initiative to take on. That is a lot of deliveries. Uh, and we're thankful that our nurses are feeling appreciated this week. They truly deserve it. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having us and have a great weekend. It's just another ordinary miracle today. Stick around. More What She Said with Candace Sampson coming up on 105.9 The Region. But time makes you bolder. Children get older, I'm getting older too. We all know the expression familiarity breeds contempt, but what if that person you're getting a little too familiar with is your spouse? Dr. Kara Fletcher is an assistant professor at the University of Regina Faculty of Social Work in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. She is also the director of the Social Policy Research Center. Welcome to the show, Kara. Well, thanks so much for having me. So I am um, going through uh, a divorce. Okay. Uh, so I am, I, I'm quite pleased that I'm not isolated with somebody right now. <laughs> I imagine there are some women listening to this right now as we speak who are thinking, if he chews loudly one more time, I'm going to blow my stack. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so how do couples get through this? Because this is 
unlike anything we've ever seen. This is intense togetherness. I think it's first of all acknowledging that this is an absolutely unusual time and we can expect that we're not going to be at our best. We're going to have a challenge trying to get along, even if we had a strong relationship going into this pandemic. Right. So how do you manage those emotions like they're chewing too loudly or they don't fold something the right way or they don't pick up something. How do you manage that in a confined environment? Because there is no physical escape from it. Yeah, I think there's a few different ways to think about it. One might be, can you, is there a way to take some space? So if you feel yourself getting really irritated by this, the smacking of the gum or the chewing too loudly, uh, which I've heard many people saying at this point, I think you can consider, you know, can I get out even just for an half an hour, go for a walk, or can I take my phone or a book into the bathroom and take 30 <laughs> minutes by myself, have a bath, relax, uh, try to get away, even if it's not physically away that far or for long, but trying to get a mental reset. Um, because I think if you don't do that, you're going to find yourself having fights that are probably not going to go anywhere and are just going to make both of you feel drained and exhausted at the end of it. So one of the things you said is that uncertainty can make you feel insecure. Mm -hmm. So does that uncertainty translate to making you feel insecure in your relationship? I think, it, I think insecurity can start to kind of leak into all areas of our lives. So when we're feeling like there's a lack of stability, that things are really uncertain, that we don't know what's going to happen, we start to just really feel irritated and vulnerable in every setting. So maybe your partner says something that on a good day, let's say four months ago, wouldn't have bothered you at all. Um, but now all of a sudden here's, you know, what are you saying about me? What do you mean? Are you, you know, you start to feel that it, things start to feel more like an attack uh, than they might have previously. Let's say, you know, a couple at home has had a massive blow up about something, who knows what it is. What are some steps for conflict resolution that you would recommend for couples right now? Sure. One of the ones that I like to recommend is to not try to sort out a conflict in the middle of a conflict to kind of, and, and I think the best way to kind of make these decisions is when things are calm and good to say to each other, you know, I notice we've been fighting a lot lately, right? Because if we're tired or we're angry or we're feeling flustered or we're distracted by kids or all the you know, multitude of things that could be going on, we're not going to be able to have a productive discussion. And so really thinking about slowing it down and coming back to it when, when you're feeling up to it, when you're feeling able. Okay, so you mentioned something that made me sort of laugh out loud, because I think I know that I'm certainly guilty of it. And a lot of women probably are, as you said, try not to be a historian. Yes. <laughs> yes. I think, again, one of our kind of, it's human nature, but I think one of the things that happens when we're feeling stressed and we're feeling angry is we start to remember all of the things that have made us mad in the past. And especially if the thing that our partner has done in that moment reminds us of that, we start to be a historian. And so again, having kind of an agreement that if one of you is being a historian, you know, let's stop right there and try to reset and try again, because you're not going to get anywhere. It's a good time to I mean, practice gratitude in everything in life. Uh, you know, we have a roof over our head, we should be grateful for it. We have food on the table, we should be grateful for it. Uh, and the same could be said for our partner. Yes, absolutely. So, so how do you suggest people recognize those things in their partner? What's the best way? Is it just telling them? Is it, is it showing them? How do you, what, what do you recommend to your clients? 
Well, I often I try to get at the heart of what, uh, how each individual likes to receive praise. So some people like it through action or some people like it through words. But in this context, I think it's looking at the situation, noticing, okay, I'm stressed out. What is my partner doing that is helping out here? What are they doing that you know, shows their particular strength or ability in this situation? And so if you notice something, say it. So are you continuing in light of situation right now? Are you continue, continuing to offer therapy to, to couples? You bet I am. Yep. So we're doing it uh, mostly over like this, over video conference. And I have a couple uh, situations where I'm working with couples over the phone. So they put me on speakerphone and we do our sessions over the phone. Okay, so I need to ask then is, do you notice an increased need for uh, these sorts of discussions right now? I think so, yeah. I, a lot of the conversations we're having are definitely focused on increased stress as a result of the, of the current situation uh, with COVID-19. If people want to know more about you, where can they find out more about you? Well, they can uh, ch check me out on my uh, faculty page. You can see what research I'm up to at the University of Regina. I'm doing some couple research right now, so they can go to the University of Regina website and, and see me there. I'm also on Twitter. Okay, wonderful. Thank you so much for joining me today, Kara. I'm sure you've prevented some argument today somewhere. <laughs> I hope so. Thanks so much for having me. <laughs>
I'll be back next week with more incredible interviews with amazing women. Previous episodes of What She Said on 1059theregion.com.